and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello, hello, and as always, producer Annabelle Lee to my left. Hello, hello. Hello. Coming up on today's show, guys, the Oscars, of course. The champagne carpet was rolled out, history was made, and Hugh Grant was as grumpy as can be. Plus, Cara Delevingne has spoken about substance abuse and sobriety. There are rumours the 2023 Met Gala could be Kardashian-free. And what happens when the kids of influencers grow up? Teen Vogue has the rather sobering answer. But first... Sarah McDonald, how was your week? I had a good week. We had a long weekend here in Melbourneino. Melbourne. <laughs> so that was nice. I I feel like I got to consume a lot of content. I feel like I'm having weeks at the moment where I either have everything in the world mm. that I ever want to recommend or I'm dry. Yes. I have two things I want to recommend and I'll zoom through them, I <laughs> okay. promise. The first thing I want to recommend is an interview on Emrata's Hilo podcast. I'm, Curious because I, we did we didn't slam the podcast, no, no, but we did critique the, the podcast and the similarity of the idea behind that podcast and our other favorite podcast, the Hilo from the UK. Yes, so I appreciate that. That might sound mildly hypocritical, and I'm going to make it up to you with my second recommendation. <laughs> but yes, I did listen to an interview that Suki Waterhouse did with Emrata. I just love Suki Waterhouse. You will leave your morals at the door for Suki Waterhouse. I, I absolutely will. For those who have missed it, Suki is, of course, starring in Daisy Jones and the Six. She is a musician. I don't know if you guys are on Suki Waterhouse TikTok. Yes, are you? where she's performing. Do you have, like, the dance that she does yeah. with her arms? And her hair's just like, they, blowing in the yeah. wind. Was I, she supposed to be like a full-time musician do you think she's been writing music for the last 10 years you would learn about this if you listen to the interview name a song good looking oh okay <laughs> yeah. she could have said anything though and you would have been yeah, like, like right. Right. <laughs> she would have been to like love, the suki show <laughs> i love in fairness though i will in fairness to you michelle it is a relatively new love <laughs> it's not like i've been an old time suki waterhouse love but the problem is my partner ollie has been watching daisy jones and the six with me mm. and he unfortunately has fallen in love with suki waterhouse too Ooh. i found him deep on his phone on suki waterhouse wikipedia the other day Oliver Keogh. I know, he always, if I'm on TikTok and he reckons he hears her voice, he goes, is that Suki? <laughs> if, I, if I may, yes. I think this will make your day slash life. I think you and Suki Waterhouse have a similar vibe. I no, think you, oh my, you cannot. You can't. Oh my God, stop. I stop. can't just start I, the show like that. I actually think you're both pocket rockets and you're cut I think from she's the same tall. Tall. Suki gives pocket rocket energy. She does. I agree with you. She gives pocket rocket energy. She's incredibly tall. At least it looks like. Or maybe <laughs> Zara gives singer energy. That, maybe that's oh, what it that is. Could be oh, true. Stop. Anyway, guys, I really liked this interview. It's really short. It's only about 30 minutes. I can't find any other interviews with Suki Waterhouse. <laughs> so this is what I kind of had to settle for. It was it was really good though. I really enjoyed it. They spoke about modeling, their careers. They joked about the fact that everybody just assumes Suki Waterhouse is a Nepo baby. Oh. Because she just looks like she'd be a Nepo baby. <laughs> This is so bad. For a time, I think I thought that she was related to, is it Gay Waterhouse, the horse track? <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought From she Sydney. was somehow related to the Waterhouse. Well, like, Tom Waterhouse, Empire. the betting guy. Yeah, I thought she was like Tom Waterhouse's <laughs> well, sister. Well, she's not. 
She's not at all. I, I haven't thought that recently. I think I just used to think that when I saw her name floating around. Well, no. If anyone else is confused. So that's my first recommendation. The second recommendation I wanted to flag today is actually a piece from Pandora Sykes' newsletter. Now, Pandora Sykes is the original host of The High Low. Oh, yes. And you've got a clash going I've on. I've got a clash. I've got The High Low clash going on. But this was also a really amazing read. The title is But How Do You Read So Much? And she wrote a story or kind of a column in her newsletter newsletter where she answered the question she always gets from people which is how do you read so many books and I think people project on her their own insecurities Mm. like she reads voraciously completely she used to introduce like they would talk at the start of their podcast or do like a whole recommendations episode it would be a weekly show and she'd come to the table with like Like four four books books that she read in the last week and she broke down day by day hour by hour where she steals time to read and I thought it was like an incredibly helpful piece because I think we're so good at looking at what other people are doing and thinking why the hell can't I find time to do that and then you read how she does it and you think well of course I can't do that Mm -hmm. because she does have to give up a lot of different stuff to read as much as she does and I feel like I sometimes can be disparaging to myself because I know I feel calmest when I read and if I'm not reading as much as I usually am I'm like why aren't I just reading Mm -hmm. more and more that would help me but at the end of the day I also want to exercise and see my friends and work and we only have so many hours in the day we do i really like that i want to read that piece because i used to think that all the time how does not in like a judgy way in an awestruck way yeah how does she do this but it's a beautiful story because she's like don't try to model yourself of what i'm doing because look at all the stuff that i don't do Mm. and read instead to make this happen yeah absolutely so i thought that was really really wonderful that's my second recommendation i have one recommendation that's good (laughs) i'm not gonna gonna lie i don't think it's gonna break any shameless recommendation records i think do we have shameless recommendate oh the split split. (laughs) (laughs) the split and drive to survive i think would be our all-time golden records this is not going to be in that tier and i'm okay with that i have been binging next in fashion on netflix have you heard of it of course so this is the new fashion show actually it's in season two but season two is hosted by tan france from queer eye for the straight guy and Gigi hadid I have watched seven episodes in the last couple of days. It has filled a hole in my life that I didn't realize was a hole. I used to be a massive Project Runway fan when I was a kid. It used to be our family show that we would watch all together. I watched both the like American version with Heidi Klum and then I also watched the Australian version with Megan Gale. Adored it. It went away. The franchise died. Next in Fashion is back and it's got a different name, but baby, it's the same show. It's the same show. Is it just fashion designers making stuff, yep. walking it down the runway? You you would struggle to find a difference between it and Project Runway, wow. which is bold of Netflix just to copy the exact idea, but I do love it. And I've got to say, Gigi Hadid, you can tell she's a little nervous in Ep 1 and 2, finding her feet as a host. She's a joy to watch. I really like Gigi Hadid. And I think this series is just so much fun sugar. There is an episode where they make the designers curate their Met Gala outfit in like a day and a half. And not just Gigi, but also Bella Hadid are on that episode judging the runway. And I just think if you like 
a bit of pop culture and celebrity and you like a bit of fashion, this is a great show for you to binge this week. I saw a good snippet on TikTok of Bella and Gigi just like completely disagreeing, disagreeing, Mm. but like in quite an aggressive sisterly way. Bickering. Also, Emma Chamberlain was on it and she makes a critique of someone's fit and Gigi just comes in and is like, you're wrong. Yeah, (laughs) she does. They've got like a good celebrity cameo. Hayley Bieber's on another one, sponsor of the show. Thank you, (laughs) Hayley. There's like a bunch of different celebrities involved. Donatella Versace, there are like so many incredible people involved how good maybe i need to binge an episode or two yeah one thing i will say oh don't expect the judges to agree with you every look that claire my sister and i saw go down the runway they do a runway show at the end we're like well clearly that sucks and then the host would be like that's incredible that's the best (laughs) thing we've ever seen that's fashion and then we'd see another one be like that's amazing they'd be like that is pathetic (laughs) are you sure they're not doing the whole like master chef thing where it's like that was disgusting. Disgustingly good. <laughs> I don't even know what the line was, but it's my favourite line of any reality television show Matt ever. Preston, oh, oh, what a man. I miss him. <laughs> Guys, we've got to jump into the first segment of the show. And of course, we are starting with the Oscars because they are what everybody is talking about this week. Absolutely. Guys, we ditched the red carpet this year. Gone was the red carpet. We had a champagne carpet instead. Which was an interesting decision given The Cut literally wrote an entire article titled That's One Dirty Carpet dedicated to all the dirt and mess in the photos. Isn't it interesting? I follow Amy O'Dell on TikTok who wrote the biography of Anna Wintour that I recommended last year. And she said that the Oscar producers were consulting very closely with a couple of people who have worked on the Met Gala Mm. because they wanted this red carpet to be a bit more glossy, a bit more Met Gala-y, maybe not as chewy. I do think the Oscars red carpet can be a bit... They wanted it to be like a flawless photo moment, right? Like the lighting and the backdrop and everything. I think it looked better, but champagne carpet clearly wasn't communicated to a lot of the stylists who were dressing the celebrities because I'm not sure so many people would have turned up in champagne or white. No, 100%. Cara Delevingne has to be our best dress. She wore this incredible red gown with one shoulder and a big leg slit. I actually think she was helped out by the champagne carpet. For sure. This year, one of the few people who benefited from that. Now, her PR people are doing an incredible job. She looked better than ever. There is so much positivity around the press when it comes to Cara Delevingne right now. We're going to talk about her later in the show, but I wanted to say that here as well. The fact that her PR team is dressing her the way they are, the best she's ever looked in her career, is very clever and they've nailed it. Yeah, other notable mentions here as well. Malala in Ralph Lauren. She looked amazing in that sparkly hood. Lady Gaga in that sheer black Versace that had been on the runway three days before worn by Gigi Hadid. We also had Thames in that leather couture sort of elaborate white dress that almost came over her head but didn't. Yeah, the poor people sat behind her in the audience. They would not have been able to see a fucking thing. God bless them. Now, as for the after party, the Vanity Fair after party, lots of you messaged us about this because we put some of our favourite looks from the Vanity Fair after party on our Instagram stories. And some of the people there were like the Jenna sisters, Kylie and Kendall, obviously. A lot of just like celebrities who aren't actors. And a lot of you said to us, why are these people invited? How are they going to the Oscars? What? It's the biggest night of the year, the Vanity Fair. It's yeah. almost the biggest part of the night. Yeah. So just to make it clear, that guest list is decided by Vanity Fair. They have no interest in being the Academy and only inviting highbrow actors well, and actresses. people who are 
are actually relevant to the awards. No, they just want to invite as many high-profile people as they can, hence the Jenna sisters being there. Now, sexy naked dresses were absolutely the vibe. Yeah, Daisy Edgar Jones was in a beautiful sheer one. So was Hunter Schaefer, who mm. was dressed by Law Roach. Megan the Stallion was in this amazing black, tight, strapless bodice, bodice yeah. thing. I mean, how's our fashion coming to you? <laughs> right. now, now, what is interesting about Law Roach, who, as I just said, dressed Hunter Schaefer, Megan Thee Stallion, among others, is that two days after the Oscars happened and after the Vanity Fair party happened, he posted on Instagram to his 1.2 million followers that he was retiring. He kind of wrote this ominous caption that said, my cup is empty. He added later, if this business was just about the clothes, I would do it for the rest of my life. But unfortunately, it's not. The politics, the lies, the false narratives finally got me. You win. I'm out. We have spoken about Laura Roach on the show before because we've spoken about Zendaya and her style on the red carpet and how it's so sad central to her brand Mm. and he and her have an incredible working relationship they are such tight collaborators basically every notable red carpet look you've seen on Zendaya which there are so many she has to be the best dressed celebrity in Hollywood has been the work of her with Law Roach yes so it's quite fascinating to see him come out two days after all the Oscars and all of the people that he dressed and said I am retiring. Also in the most dramatic way possible. Yeah. <laughs> this caption appeared under like a, a photo of a big sticker saying retired in like red bold font. <laughs> I need to read it again. The politics, the lies and the false narratives finally got me. You win, I'm out. If I ever quit this show, I'm going to do something like, <laughs> like this to be win. like I'm going down in flames. What could have happened? I don't know. I mean, clearly I w- it sounds like people are spreading rumours, right? Yeah. Yeah, and maybe he might be losing work or reputation because of it. But I would be surprised if this is the end for Law Roach because there are too many people in the fashion industry invested in what Law does and how good Law is at his job. Well, the editor-in-chief of British Vogue, Edward Ennefall, commented and basically said, we love you. There's There's always a home for you at British Vogue. There's a lot of powerful people who will want to see this career keep going, including Zendaya. (laughs) We'll probably throw a wallet at problem, I imagine. Now let's talk about the awards themselves. Of course, it's not just about fashion or the red carpet. There were some massive winners at the Oscars. Michelle Yeoh made history. So good. When she won Best Actress for her lead role in Everything, Everywhere, All at once she became the first woman from an asian background to win best actress in 95 years crazy she's only the second woman of color to ever win the award yeah her speech was so good at the age of 60 she made a point of saying ladies don't let anybody tell you you are ever past your prime never give up for all the little boys and girls who look like me watching tonight this is a beacon of hope and possibilities this is proof of dreams dream big and dreams do come true i just I love her. I loved the speech. I loved the moment. I had the biggest smile on my face. Did you guys see the footage of her mum watching from Malaysia? Yeah, This is my favourite, like in sporting events or award shows when there are cameras on the parents watching remotely. And they were all dressed up in like Oscars gear, which is to say they were all dressed up in black tie and they were all just sobbing. And it's like, I love watching the families watching on. Same, same. It was a beautiful moment. Another notable winner of the night was, of course, the recipient of Best Actor. That went to Brendan Fraser for his role in The Whale. Best Picture went to Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, who that movie just cleaned cleaned up. up. And rightly so. Rightly so. Ever. (laughs) (laughs) It did so, so well. 
Other notable moments we just wanted to mention, guys. Paul Meskell and Daisy Edgar Jones took some little pickies <laughs> at some the selfies. Oscars. <laughs> some selfies that got us a little excited. We have said on this show that we do ship them. I hate to sound like a 16-year-old, but if we ship anyone... It's so incredibly 16-year-old, but I... It is the hill I will die on. I ship them so hard and they are getting so many photos together and looking very cozy. And I just want to say I'm a little excited about the prospect of it. It's just like if I was to take a selfie like that with my male friends, it would be fine, like whatever, because we haven't proven that we have the chemistry that those two have Mm. on a television show. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's not like we're shipping this for no reason. No. They've proven to us that they have something... Something. Something something. something. something with a capital S underlined. <laughs> yes. Now, the other headline, of course, you would have seen hanging about was one about Hugh Grant and Ashley Graham's red carpet interview. Champagne carpet interview. <laughs> Sorry, <you>? yeah, champagne <laughs> carpet interview. It was deathly awkward. And we're going to play a snippet for you. I think we're going to play the whole thing for you because it only goes for about a minute in case you missed it. Keep in mind there's a lot of background noise on a red carpet, so it's not the crispest of audio, but uh, I think you'll get the gist. Hugh Grant, you are a veteran of the Oscars, and you've been here a few times. What's your favorite thing about coming to the Oscars? Um, well, uh, <laughs> it's fascinating. It's uh, it's uh, uh, the whole of humanity is here. It's uh, <laughs> it's Vanity Fair. Oh, it's all about Vanity yeah. Fair. Yes, that's where we let loose and have a little bit of fun. Um, what are you most excited to see tonight? To see? Yeah, well, I know that you probably watched a few of the movies. Are you excited to see anybody win? Do you have your hopes up for anyone? Um, not, not, no, no one in particular. Okay, well, what are you wearing tonight then? Uh, just my suit. Your suit? Who yeah. made your suit? You didn't make it. Um, I can't remember, my tailor. That's okay. Yeah. Ta- shout out to the tailor. Yeah. Um, so tell me, what does it feel like to be in Glass Onion? It was such an amazing film. I really loved it. I love a thriller. How fun is it to shoot something like that? Well, I'm barely in it. I'm in it for about three seconds. Yeah, but yeah. still, you showed up and you had fun, right? Uh, almost. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. It was nice to talk to you. Yeah. All right, back to you guys. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my God. This is such a funny one. If you look on Twitter, people are pretty neatly divided down the middle. Completely divided down the middle. And quickly for the record as well. A lot of people have pointed out that Hugh Grant was talking about Vanity Fair, the 1848 <laughs> novel, while Ashley Graham was talking about the Vanity Fair. Magazine after, after party. party. Which is just an unfortunate crisscrossing of worlds. It, as you say, Mitch, it has been really divisive. Some people are saying he's just British. Like some people are saying it's a clashing of cultures and I can see that as well. Mm-hmm. Him being like decisively, I don't know, cynical, dry and British. Her Incredibly being dry. earnestly American. And excitable and bubbly. Yeah. Other people are saying, you know, it's just two people on different sides of showbiz. I, I have to say, <laughs> I hate to be this... <laughs> gal but I am go there I truly think he was quite rude and I know that there are a lot of people on Twitter saying oh get over it's just a joke but I did find myself watching this feeling deeply sorry for Ashley Graham I feel like he was being an asshole do not do an interview on the red carpet if that's how you're going to answer the questions (laughs) like don't pretend you're above it when you're there I think that's the thing that gets me well he presented an award and by the way when he presented the award later in the night he was really funny probably because he had like the full run of the joke and he could curate the tone 
But it is interesting to you're participating in the night that you're acting the, like you want to. You are above. I yeah. just find it so annoying and wanky. Also, you don't have to walk a red carpet. Margot Robbie did not walk the red carpet. Yep. There is no one forcing you to do that. I also think a lot of people derided Ashley Graham for her line of questioning. Mm. And I'm like, it feels like the most normal line of questioning for a champagne carpet I've ever heard. Also, if you're hosting a red carpet. <laughs> Can you tell she feels passionate about this? If you're Take hosting a, a red carpet for three hours and you're interviewing person after person and you yep. have to come up with five or six questions each. Sorry, guys. How many smart questions are we asking? <laughs> I would be an idiot. I saw a viral tweet being like, if you want Hugh Grant to give you a good interview, ask him about his body of work, which is extensive. I'm like, okay. Well, she did. <laughs> she asked him about glass onion and he was like I was barely in it (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna say I didn't feel anything negative I more just found this so cripplingly awkward I actually couldn't watch the video the whole way through so I don't blame the listeners if they use that little forward 15 second button just then as we played it out I couldn't get through it because I just felt like these two people should never be in a conversation because they're like repelling magnets they are not going to find mutual ground Hugh Grant was a little bit of a dickhead, but I found the moment too funny to find it well, I just, annoying. It felt familiar in a sense that you've got this patronising guy who thinks he's above everything, trying to make a female look dumb and uninformed in his orbit. Like, that's what he was trying to do. He was deliberately answering the questions to make her feel stupid. But it's like, honey, you're there too. You are part of this as well. You can't pretend you're above it. You do see Ashley Graham at one point just mentally check out. She's like, really at one oh. point is like, whatever. No, I think she's like, all right. Like, let's not even do this anymore. No, I'm really intrigued about where you guys sit on this because I wish I watched it and felt chill. But I didn't. You know <laughs> what it was? What? It was humongously <laughs> awkward. It was humongously awkward. Uh, Thanks, sitting Annabelle. on that for a while. No one gets that. Let's <laughs> no talk. context. If you don't know that joke, <laughs> you're not going to get it. <laughs> and now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five or six stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle michelle <laughs> shippy andrews yeah that's fair i, <laughs> do, sh- I do i do love to ship them my first story cara delavine opens up about sobriety and self-care at 30 that was from vogue in case you missed it and you might have because there were so many stories floating around this week Cara Delevingne, the supermodel, has done a pretty wide-ranging profile for Vogue, telling them she is now four months sober after struggling with substance abuse issues around her 30th birthday. Yeah, now some of our listeners might have seen in September last year that Cara Delevingne was photographed looking distressed and dishevelled at an airport in LA. Now, it sparked many a headline about her well-being tabloids were pretty quick to draw comparisons between her and her mother Pandora who has in the past talked about her struggles with bipolar and heroin addiction now we didn't talk about those photos at the time for obvious reasons we did only discuss that scuffle that Cara Margot and their producing partners had in October yeah if you guys can't remember that there was a paparazzo these women and kind of the men that they were working with were in a restaurant, a paparazzo got some kind of photo or was in some way intrusive. And then the men that Margot Robbie and Cara Delevingne were with were accused of assaulting that paparazzo and deleting the photo from his camera. It, it was, was a, a weird story. It was a very heightened time as well for... 
Cara Delevingne and the people around her, I think a lot of the people around her were clearly trying to protect her from the press. Yes. In this Vogue interview, which is a really, really strong and beautiful piece, Cara said the photos taken of her at that LA airport are a source of shame and embarrassment for her. She said, I hadn't slept. I was not okay. It's heartbreaking because I thought I was having fun, but at some point it was like, okay, I don't look well. You know, sometimes you need a reality check. So in a way, those pictures were something to be grateful for. Such a hard one because those photos were so intrusive. I think it was certainly one of the most intrusive celebrity stories I'd seen in a while. Mm. And... It's hard because for Cara, she's like, well, I guess in a weird way, I can be grateful for it because it was a reality check. But just as equally, nobody deserves that to have that plastered over the internet. No. And the way people were talking about them, I mean, we anyone with a brain knew that they were deeply troubling and that something was deeply wrong in Cara Delevingne's life. It's a tricky one because on one hand, she credits those photos and that video that went viral with helping her, kind of shaking her out of it. And then on the other hand, it's such a breach of privacy. It's just really depressing, to be honest, that it even happened. She did go really deep on a few things in this interview. We actually really loved it. She spoke about her mother as well. She said, for a long time, I really didn't put myself in her shoes. I just needed someone to be angry at and I was angry at her, but it wasn't her fault. The way that addiction took my mum from me was brutal and it was brutal for her too. Yeah, she said she first got properly drunk at the age of seven, has weathered bouts of depression at various stages of her life. She added that the industry she's in is an incredibly tough one to be into. She said, if you have problems going into this industry, they will only get magnified and exacerbated. There is nothing about it that Mm. makes it better. She also touched on the fact that she felt invincible when she was on drugs. She said, I put myself in danger in those moments because I didn't care about my life. The piece went on and the journalist wrote, her memories of that time are somewhat fragmented, refracted through substances that she doesn't name but aren't hard to guess at. Whatever would ramp her up and keep introspection at bay. She recollects being covered in inexplicable bruises. Kara said, I would climb anything and jump off stuff. It felt feral. It is a scary thing to the people around you who love you. She said as well, after a lot of support from the people around her and a fair bit of introspection on what last year looked like, she's now doing a 12-step treatment program and is officially four months sober. When I first read the four-month thing, I've got to be honest, I did think, oh, this could be premature. It's it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I thought, is this too soon? I wondered that. Truthfully, having watched the accompanying video that is put in this piece where you actually see Kara and reading the story a couple of times, I think similarly to those photos and that viral video of her at the airport that we touched on earlier, I think this is Kara's way of maybe holding herself accountable. I feel like she wants this slight bit of public pressure on her. I don't think she would have opted into this interview. I don't think she would have opted into the Oscars champagne carpet or any of these PR opportunities if she didn't feel that they actually help her stay sober. Well, I think the sense that I got from this piece and from that video too, as you say, is that she is quite serious about this. And I don't get the sense that she's the kind of person that would put her public image over her own well-being at Mm. the moment. Like she isn't more desperate to be seen as well as she is desperate to feel well. I can't recommend reading this story enough. We obviously can't cover every detail and every quote here 
but I would recommend reading it in its entirety. Yeah, for sure. Our second story. My feelings for Tom have always been sincere. Vanderpump Rules Raquel Levis has issued a second statement on the Tom Sandoval cheating allegations. That is from Teen Vogue. Guys, we obviously gave you the big rundown on the Vanderpump Rules yes. cheating scandal last week. It is one of the biggest reality TV scandals we can remember. In the last seven days, Raquel Levis, the woman at the center of it all, has released not one, but two statements. Was it because the first statement wasn't good enough? They focused on different things. Right. I'm okay. curious to hear what you think about this. Now, if you want that explainer, go back to the last episode. The very quick crux of it is that a nine-year-long relationship between co-stars Tom and Ariana has been torn apart by him having a seven-month-long affair with their fellow co-star and friend, Raquel. Are we ready for Raquel's statement? Ready. Okay. It was essentially an apology to Ariana. She wrote, I want to apologize for my actions and my choices to Ariana, my friends and the fans so invested in our relationships. There is no excuse. I am not a victim and must own my actions. I deeply regret hurting Ariana. In the time since this came to light, I am reflecting on my choices, speaking to a counselor, and I am learning things about myself, such as my patterns of codependency and addiction to being and feeling loved. She then, hours later, wrote a second statement and put it up on her Instagram account about what her current situation with Tom is. She wrote, besides the indefensible circumstances surrounding our relationship, my feelings for Tom have always been sincere and born out of a loving friendship. Knowing how many people we hurt, I need to understand my choices and learn to make better ones. I need to take care of my health, work on self-growth and take time to be okay with being alone. I care for Tom and I don't want to label anything or predict what lies ahead. Right now, I need to heal. I don't mind those statements. Mm. They're not bad. I, I don't think Raquel could say anything as a Vanderpump Rules stan. I don't think she could say anything that makes me happy. And no statement is going to fix it. No. It can make it worse, though. And I'm not sure this is making it worse. Am I alone in slightly rolling my eyes at villains in celebrity stories finishing their statements I with, need to I heal. need to heal. <laughs> no, 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 no. You need to fix or try to fix what happened. I think right now I need to heal is just a no, weird note I, to end on. I don't read it like that. Maybe because I'm less invested in this. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, well, you do need to heal because there are some things that you've really fucked up and there are some things inside of you that maybe need to change. So yes, you yeah. need to heal. And I feel like that was the crux of what she was saying. She wasn't saying I need to heal because I'm so broken about this. Yeah. She's saying I need to heal because I've made some decisions here that aren't okay. So I need to heal is the new, I just need to be better. Yeah, which is that's kind how of annoying. I read it. Okay, maybe well, it is slightly annoying. Maybe I need to get more. <laughs> Tom, for his part, also issued a second statement. As we said in the last episode, his first didn't even mention his partner of nine years, Ariana. He issued a statement about that and her. In a nutshell, he said, I made mistakes. I was selfish and made reckless decisions that hurt somebody I love. All right. That's it. <laughs> Our third story. The 2023 Met Gala could be Kardashian free. That is from page six. Could Vogue be blacklisting the Kardashians this year? According to page six, that is the word on the street. Last week, they dropped a report that opened with this line. Is the Met Gala in the cards? <laughs> with a K. With a K. <laughs> I think we left behind that trend in like 2015. <laughs> we definitely did, but I appreciate it coming back. For reality TV's first family, the Met Gala could be Kardashian free this year after the whole family of reality stars attended en masse for the first time in 2022. Sources tell Page Six that Vogue boss Anna Winter is cracking down on the guest list at the annual 
annual fashion fete and that no Kardashians will be making the cut. Vogue refused to comment on this story one way or the other, while, and I quote, a source familiar with the Kardashian-Jenner clan say it is not true. Mm. I am very desperate to understand what's going on here. The other day in the office when we saw this report came out, I was like, there's no way they can't go to the Met Gala. Like, there's no way. But then I saw a good TikTok (laughs) Amy O'Dell, (laughs) who's randomly getting two shout outs in today's episode, as I said, who wrote that biography of Anna Winter that I recommended here. She was kind of analyzing the wording in this piece. And she said it was very telling that Vogue didn't comment. And in that vein, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they leaked the story themselves to reclaim the narrative around the event. Mm. And I guess it makes sense because it's like, who else is actually leaking this? I don't think it's a made-up story from Page Six. So how else do Page Six find it? Well, yeah, well, the other thing that's been floating around is because all of the negative press around Kim Kardashian wearing Marilyn Monroe's dress last year and damaging it. That's what Amy O'Dell goes on to say, is that she said, keep in mind with the Met Gala, this is for the Metropolitan's Museum Costume Institute. Mm. And this is all about preserving fashion as like artifacts. Yeah. If you've got someone coming in to the Met Gala wearing a costume and damaging it, it does go against the very essence of what they're there to do. And remember how viral those photos went of the damage to that dress that were leaked? I think they were leaked to Diet Prada last year. This, yeah. was, this was a bad look for the Met Gala, which wants to be upheld as the opposite. I want to know our predictions. I want us to put something on the line to be like, here's who's being invited, here's not, because... I don't think it's possible that all of the Kardashian Jenners are off the list. I think Kendall, I, first of all, Kendall will definitely be there. That's. I think Kendall might be one of the only ones that go. I don't. I don't think. I think. I don't sorry, think he's going. Chloe, Courtney, and Chris are definitely cut. I agree with from that. From the list, I think they were lucky to go last year. Yeah, they were lucky. I actually think Kim is on a knife's edge. I know she's been it for maybe the last four or five years. But I do think there has been a shift in the way people are feeling about the Kardashians recently. And it's interesting because on my TikTok feed, a lot of people have said, oh, I don't like the Kardashians anymore because they're too aspirational. And I flatly reject that. The Kardashians have built an empire off of being aspirational and being out of touch and not being like the common man. I actually think they're maybe not aspirational enough anymore. I don't think they're setting trends. I don't think they're in the fashion realm the way they used to be. I don't think people are looking to the Kardashians. The Jenners still, yes. I think the Jenners still have that influential edge. I think for some reason, Kim, Courtney and Chloe have lost a bit of influence in the last 12 months for a variety of reasons. Kim Kardashian will want to be at this Met Gala. Yeah. I don't think she'll be invited and I think she'll try to get ahead of the narrative by pretending she didn't want to go. Very interesting. I think she'll just make the list. I think it'll be her and Kendall. Kendall. I don't know if Kylie will be invited. I don't know. Annabelle. I have not a lot of interest. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Guys, I honestly couldn't give a fuck. But I hope one day the baby Kardashians make it. Oh, yeah. I feel bad for the baby Kardashians. I feel like they never got a choice as to whether or not they would be public figures. But we actually are talking about that in story five. Yeah. (laughs) Let's get to story four. (laughs) Our fourth story. Emily Ratajkowski says she didn't have the courage to leave her ex-husband, Sebastian Bear McLeod, 
for a long time. That is from Glamour. Yeah, so you might remember from episodes last year, model and actress Emrata left her husband of four years in July after tabloids reported that he had cheated on her multiple times. This week, she went on the Going Mental podcast where she essentially spoke about her marriage breakdown for the first time and confirmed the rumours to be true. Yeah, here's a snippet. We have condensed it down just for pacing, but hear what Emrata had to say. When I think about you possibly getting cheated on, mm. that's so crazy. And I feel like a lot of my friends would feel the same way. Like, again, you're this contemporary, ideal, perfect woman. It's like, oh, shit, if she could get cheated on, like, we're all fucked. Yeah, it was so interesting that that was like the reaction to that news because I was just like, duh, <laughs> men are trash, ladies. Like, yeah. they, and it doesn't matter who you are, how perfect you are, whatever, whatever. Like, do you have any words of wisdom or even how you had the courage to leave if it wasn't working oh for you? Oh my God. I didn't have the courage to leave for a long time. I was like really, really unhappy. And I was like 100 pounds and I just had a baby. And I was like, like, I got really skinny because I was not okay. I tried everything else. I tried to take antidepressants. I was like, sure that something was wrong with me. And, you know, I think like so much of what I've learned is of coming out of that relationship is like to trust your instincts. Very interesting. I do like that she kind of just said, yeah, when that news, as in like the news the of news, him cheating like on me was around. When that fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. I really appreciate it. She also, in this interview, did touch upon how hard it has been for her to casually date people. It seemed to be a nod towards the many Pete Davidson and Brad Pitt headlines around and about. Mind you, she has really stoked that fire. Again, it's one of those classic cases of a celebrity saying, oh, it's, it's hard for me to keep private. And then I'm like, you don't try to keep private because of all the stuff of her dating Eric Andre that we've seen in the last month, her posting photos with him and then calling it a situationship. Like also, you're not trying to casually date people in private. You went to the basketball with Pete Davidson yeah. after going on like one day. Oh, that classic thing of celebrities being like, let me live a normal life, but also let me set up this photo opportunity. Oh, that is annoying. But anyway, that's totally fine. I did appreciate her being honest about this and talking in the interview about how she was so unhappy for so long and she was looking everywhere to try and work out why she was unhappy. Mm. She was like, is this a me thing? She said she went on antidepressants, all of those kinds of things. And then eventually the relationship just wasn't right. I think a lot of people could relate to that. Yeah, give it a listen. It's actually a pretty interesting chat. Our fifth story, influencer parents and the kids who had their childhood made into content that is from Teen Vogue. Annabelle oh. Lee, given you love the Kardashian kids, <laughs> listen to this. I take back what I said already. <laughs> in case you missed it, there was a fascinating piece published in Teen Vogue over the weekend. Writer for Taser Latifi wrote a brilliant story about the children of public figures, particularly YouTube vloggers. The piece tackles a pretty central question to how we live our lives online today. What happens to the children, the babies, the toddlers, the kids, who grow up in the public eye and what happens to their relationships with the parents who thrusted them into the spotlight. Yeah, the intro to the story sets it up pretty beautifully. Here's how it reads. Search Claire's name online and this is some of what you'll find. Photos of her as a child, merchandise with her face on it available for sale and a YouTube channel with millions of subscribers and hundreds of videos featuring Claire and members of her family. 
In the videos, Claire grows from a toddler to a teenager. On Instagram, fans comment that they miss videos from the old days. In public, people sometimes recognize her and ask for photos. Altogether, the family's YouTube channel has over a billion views, but if it were up to Claire, none of the videos would exist. Now, Claire's name was changed for privacy reasons in the piece. Her parents sound like they were or are daily vloggers and put much of her life online for public consumption and of course monetary gain. The piece also included the detail that when Claire turns 18, she's planning on cutting both of her parents out of her life. She told Teen Vogue, nothing they do now is going to take back the years of work I had to put in. Yeah, Teen Vogue spoke to a few people for this piece, right? They also spoke to TikToker Bobby Altoff, who has 3.6 million followers. Bobby used to share all kinds of details about her firstborn child, including her name, place of birth, images of her face, you name it. And one day made the snap decision to stop. Now she kind of obscures her children's faces in content and only satirically refers to them by made-up names, Concrete and Richard. (laughs) Have you guys seen this woman? Like Richard is kind of like an instant. I love this. I love this way of sharing details of family life. Richard, her firstborn daughter, who is obviously not called Richard in real life, is something of an internet celebrity, but we never see her anymore. She's almost like just a symbol of a child. Like we never see her face. We don't know anything about her. But Bobby finds a way to do funny parenting content without the actual children being identified at all. Now, Bobby actually said to Teen Vogue, Richard is not always going to be my little girl. She's going to be a person. I want her to have the opportunity to write her own story. I've decided to make it my job to entertain people, but it is not my kid's job and I don't want to make it their job. Another TikToker that was copying a lot of flack recently, Mish, was Maya Knight. She has these two twins. Yes. Two twins. She has (laughs) twins. And people started kind of commenting, telling her she shouldn't be sharing her kids. Yeah, she's got over 8 million followers. A lot of people felt very invested in her children. So she stopped sharing them. She now obscures their faces too or sort of holds the back of their head to the camera. And now other people are complaining that the kids aren't being shown. Yeah, I feel like... It's (laughs) like you can't win in this world. No, absolutely. On this though, it's definitely becoming a trend. I think it's definitely becoming a bit of a cultural flashpoint where people are talking a lot about how we're making content out of children who can't consent to being in content. Recently, an open letter from an anonymous child of family vloggers had their letter read out on TikTok. So they sent it to this big comedian called Caroline Esom. She read out their letter in a video which was liked over 750,000 times. Their letter read like this, to any parents that are considering starting a family vlog or monetizing their children's lives on the public internet, here is my advice. You shouldn't do it. Any money you get will be greatly overshadowed by years of suffering. Your child will never be normal. I never consented to being online. God, it's a lot, isn't it? What do you, what do we think? I mean, we're all childless, so I know we've got no Uh, no no skin skin in in the game. game. I have no skin in this game, so I don't know what it's like. The only thing I can, it's not the same at all, but I think I've always felt quite consistently on this in my own personal life. Mm. And again, I know people make different decisions for their own reasons. Is that if I ever did have kids, no, I I would not post them on my Instagram account. Mm. There's a chance I'd probably have a a Finsta where you have like (laughs) little baby photos. But the only example I can get is I remember when I started dating my now partner and Mm. I was like, put everything on private just because... 
we do this for a job Mm. and we have to expose certain parts of our life does not mean in any way shape or form you should be put under the same scrutiny as I Mm. as I am so we did that very quickly I think in the first kind of six months of dating because I was like it's not your world and it shouldn't have to be yeah and so if I felt like that with him I can imagine feeling like that with other Members of your family. Well, my, my children, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's the only thing way I can think about it. I think it's all a spectrum, right? I also think largely it depends on whether or not you're a public figure. So if you're just a typical person with like your 300 friends following you, share your kid however you see fit. I think I feel very differently between if you are a public figure where the masses can see your content and you don't really have any control over who the masses are. Ah, yeah. I think it's different, two different set of circumstances. I also think there's a spectrum. There's a difference between just sharing your life and your children. I have no judgment. If you want to put your children in content, whatever, if they happen to be in photos, whatever. If you're sharing content that is embarrassing and about their day-to-day yeah. life and about their school life, like the daily vlogger side, I hate. I hate and daily I think, vlogging with families. I think that's what a lot of this piece centers mm. primarily on, mm. right? Which is like when you are documenting every single part of your child's life. Like toilet training and, I don't know, wetting the bed and all that kind of stuff. That is so crossing a line for me yeah yeah I agree with you I agree completely that it does exist on a spectrum and people will make different decisions that are right for them which is totally their prerogative Mm. but it is really sad to me to read some of these kids who have never consented to being online as an adult who gets older and realizes I don't want to be online as much yeah I don't want to be exposing as much of my life online the way I was online at 15 and the way I am online at 29 is very different these children will have like evolving attitudes towards the internet over their lives it's very hard to sign them up for this when they're barely a year old. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think this is a story that's only going to get bigger and bigger over the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah, well, more more of the children will start being adults and yeah. we're going to start hearing from a whole host of them. Our sixth and final story for today's episode seems like Chloe and Tristan are friendly again. That is from the cut. I'm nervous. I don't even, I'm nervous to share my opinion on this. Why are we doing this story? <laughs> Why are we back here? I know we said earlier in the episode that Chloe... And the Kardashians aren't as relevant or don't feel as relevant now. And perhaps this is why. Look, let's go through the latest. I don't want to. I know. Let's go through the latest because people are speculating, as you say, that these two are back together. They were spotted together at Chloe's best friend's 40th birthday party a few days ago. But it's not just that, Miss. She's penned a pretty heartfelt tribute to her baby daddy on Instagram. I'll read it out. She wrote on Instagram, Tristan. You are truly the best father, brother, and uncle. Your love, attention, silly dances, hugs, carpool rides, bedtime rituals, the way you show up for them. All of the above means more than you'll ever know to your family of littles. My birthday wish for you is that you continue to crave change, healing, and transformation. Be strong, be kind, be patient, be free. Continue to make your soul and your mummy proud. Happy birthday, baby daddy. Now, the last little bit in reference to Tristan's mum is because she passed away in January. According to reports around the time of his mum's passing, that was what brought he and Chloe closer together. They bonded over that. And that is when potentially, according to rumours, this relationship was rekindled. Yeah, the reference to him being the best dad is an interesting one. 
mm. isn't it, in the context of perhaps the children he doesn't have relationships with? <laughs> the best dad to Chloe and his kids. But from what we can glean and from what the internet is saying, apparently he doesn't and hasn't seen his son with Marilee Nichols, the woman he impregnated when he was also pregnant with Chloe. So the best dad, if we're thinking really selectively... Maybe he's an all right dad. I feel really conflicted about this because on one hand, I'm like, can I even have an opinion? Yes. Like, can I? Yes. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, no, I'm making the executive call for all of us. We can. I think I was ready to say, fool me once, shame on you. Fool Chloe four times, shame on you still. Chloe has now taken this man back. If this is true, if the rumors are to be believed, taking him back. So many times, after so many egregious things, I think now my belief is if she has taken him back and he hurts her again, shame on her. Sorry. I just, I don't know what, isn't know. madness doing the same thing over and over yes, again and expecting a different result? Of course. I think where I sit on it is I know that they made it a pretty big part of the last season of the Kardashians. Mm. You know, Chloe being really, really broken over this. So I can imagine people who were quite invested in that storyline and all the other storylines uh, watching this play out and thinking, God, if this does happen again, which chances are it probably will, let's be honest. Yes, I, form. Yep. I don't know what they do with that narrative again and how they can get people's buy-in because it's a lot for people to watch on. Again, maybe I'm not as passionate as you are. I just feel sad a bit about it. I, just I don't know if that's patronizing. This is a guy who has shown that he cannot be faithful to her even in the most sensitive of moments. Surely Both they're pregnancies. open relationship. Even Surely. then, nah, he can't be trusted. Open relationship, he you got another woman pregnant. But that's they- breaking it. Most open relationships I know impregnating someone else is against the rules They still. might have their own rules. Annabelle, where are you on this? <laughs> I also feel sad, but I don't want to strip... Agency, agency from her but i also think what if he has this really toxic hold over her and that's why she keeps going back i don't i do just feel sad i just i didn't even want to talk about this because i was like i don't even know what to do with it i think respecting her agency is me saying she's made this decision but i'm not i'm not going to feel anything emotional yeah. attached to this story mm. anymore i simply can't i can't care about this anymore if she's chosen to go back she's chosen to accept the risk that comes with that and if you ask me there is a 99 percent risk he's gonna do what he's already done countless times before i don't even know how many times it is now i've completely lost count i tried to track it and we i got bored an, <laughs> we need to do an update on our scandal series one day because there's like a, a whole other episode do people want that i'm so tired i don't really <laughs> there's a whole other, if, <laughs> i don't know why i said it <laughs> if you do want the background on this if you're a little hazy on the details because there are so many details go back we've got a two-part series on the heartbreaks of chloe kardashian if we redid that now, I think it would be a three or four part series. It absolutely would. Guys, that is all we've got time for. I don't have a second more to spend on this story. You know where to find us. We are on Instagram at Shameless Podcast and TikTok at Shameless underscore podcast. Yeah. Also, click follow on your podcast app. That is the number one way to help us out in the charts. Annabelle Lee, anything else to add? No, nothing. Great. Woo-hoo. Woo. Bye. <laughs> Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.